0: Uh, welcome to another edition of the Let's Go Ricky Roll Podcast. As always, thank you for joining us. Rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. Brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Beth around alongside Josh Tolley, who's in upstate New York. Ricky Romero, who's in Southern California. And thank you guys so much. Every single week, I look at the numbers and they keep on climbing. They keep on growing because we're consistent, but also because we're fun, damn it. You know what? Ricky and Tolly <laughs> are just like super nice, humble guys. I'm not. Look, our podcast is good. Our podcast is fun. Our podcast gets people to open up. They go from having like regular uh, quotes, right, Ricky? Like, oh, yeah, you know, we're working hard, uh, you know, one game at a time, best shape of my life, to, man, remember that one time, and it it, it just becomes fun, bro. So keep on listening. Go back and listen to Danny Jansen, Blue Jays catcher, uh, who who caught seven bullpens, came on with us. Uh, We're going to continue to grow every single week. Uh, Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And also, some of you people, yeah, I said it, some of you people, don't know how to give your address i have a bunch of stickers that came back totally like they all came back you know why because people forgot to put where they live like they gave me the address but they didn't give me the apartment number and some of you canadians i paid like a dollar 35 in postage stamps they didn't give me the proper postal code because the canadian uh, mail system wrote back it question cares. mark it's question a- mark they put question marks on the people right there so so i have all these like postage stuff that came back and I'm upset, so if you want your stickers, send me a message. Besides that, I'm in a good mood, and my back is messed up. How you doing, Toll? Or, or send them with Ricky, because we know he's a world
1: traveler. Oh, He'll yeah. be north of the border here soon. Yeah. Huh? yeah. You drop them in Canadian postal mail, it won't cost you $1.50. It'll cost you $59. <laughs>
0: <loonays>. <laughs> oh, oh, by the way, you know who else has given me the address? Tolly. So, you, you too, Tolly, you're on the list. All right. All right. <laughs> what up, Rick? How you doing?
2: Good man. Good. I'm excited about today's guest. Um, I've had a chance to interact. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't play with Jason, but obviously, I uh, saw him from the opposing dugout a few times, and I've gotten a chance to interact and get to know him better. Post post baseball, post our careers, uh, we've done a few events together. Um, I know Josh played with him. Everyone raves. Everyone that played with him in Toronto raves about how great of a teammate and how great of an addition he was to that team. So I'm excited to hear about him.
0: Yeah, today's guest, Jason Grilly, uh, comes makes an appearance on here, and Tolly's been saying we could get Grilly on. And I'm like, okay, well, Tolly, we'll get him. I've been hearing about <laughs> we could get Grilly on since like November. Like, hey, Tolly, about time you come through. This is the busiest guy ever. He's running 16
1: different jobs, owns a wine company, writing books. I'm sure he's got he's got everything going. Let him know, Grilly. Give it up, There's, oh, There's a lot
3: going on in this Cabeza, man. You know, a lot of times sitting in the bullpen watching watching guys play, you know. If I didn't get to play, I had a lot to think about. Or a lot to have fun after the game. It was like, what are we doing after the game? Huh? What have we got? What are we that's, doing?
1: That's why I come to hang out in the bullpen with Grilly. Everybody, hey, why do you go down to the bullpen to catch bullpens? Number one, I'm not going to play. And number two, I get to hang out with the cheese man for nine innings. That's why I'm down
2: there. Where's oh, it? man.
1: Hey, hey man you guys I have I'm, no idea
2: I'm, i was gonna say i've always heard uh bullpen conversations prob- are probably the best in baseball um just because everyone thinks that bullpen guys are locked in from the first inning till the end but the little time that i spent down there towards the end of my career it's crazy like just the stuff that goes on the the conversations every like you said you're just sitting there and you're just not even talking about the game but when that phone rings it's like you guys just lock it in and turn it up a notch. It's 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 crazy. I could never do it and and as much as I spent down there late in my career, I just that 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 instant, all right, I got to go. It just man, I'm a starter, man. I was a starter my whole life. It was just different.
1: <laughs> There's psychos, Rick.
3: There's It's a different animal, man. You have to be a little bit sick in the head and uh the <laughs> adrenaline is way different, you know? I think I was definitely I was drafted as a starter, but I was more cut out to be a reliever because uh, I just I don't know it's the adrenaline that was in me. I used to th- want to throw up the first or second inning, and then I just moved that throw up uh, session to about the, about the fifth <laughs> or second. you know yeah. just a little bit later. But like you said, the peanuts and the seeds and the you know the gum and whatever, it, it, I got to retaste some of my uh, the good chefs, you know pre pre game uh, meals a second time because i had so much adrenaline i i kid you not i used to pee poop and puke before i went into the games and guys used to be like they'd be making fun of me especially in pittsburgh cuz the bathroom was right there in line and they looked over to like grill I go, yeah it's going to be a good night cuz i said <laughs> <laughs> so my adrenaline level was right where it needed to be i had i had it measured down about how much i peed, poop and puked. so sometimes you had to fake it till you made it too you know
0: wait wait, wait. is it, That's this was right. every every game
3: yeah, it was just like – it was just a reactionary thing. My adrenaline would start going. I'd do my – about the fifth inning, i start stretching, uh, drink a lot of water, This, that and the other, and then it was just literally the three Ps, man. It was a boom, boom, boom. By the seventh <laughs> inning, no, knowing I was just, you know, setting up, or, especially closing, I was just like, okay, I don't want to frick this up for the rest of the team here, so don't want my teammates to hate me and definitely don't want the city to hate me either, you know, because when you go out and have a cup of cocktails – post post uh post game you can turn on ESPN and see yourself giving up you know three four home runs a game that's pretty fun all the fans around. yeah which I've actually done that before that was a hard night <laughs> and totally was there man totally was he totally totally saved me that night that was a that was a hard night I can't tell you how much sweat I had on my pillow after that I was like man I was tipping I was doing something. what how the heck I mean, guys were just turning and hitting it like they knew it was coming because they did. And uh, I'm guess I guess I'm, I'm in great company, though, to make myself feel better. A lot of people told me that you tied a big league record with Zach Greinke, John Smoltz, Randy Johnson, I think Justin Verlander. So I said, I'm like, shit, I'm in good company. At least I, my dad was teasing me. He's like, you should have given up one more. He's like, you could have owned the damn record. You know, well, I yeah. wasn't going to bring it up,
0: but since we're starting off the show five minutes into it, yeah,
3: you gave up four home runs, right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it was something that uh, you you have to have. There's so many good stories to tell. Like you can brag on yourself, like oh, I did this or that. The guys, you all want to chuck it up to when you know it's hard out there. It's intense, and these guys know it. If you put on a uniform, you know how hard it is. And um, it's one of those things where I can bag on myself now. It was hard at the time. I remember walking. I think I walked every street in Toronto. Uh, I knew what was going to happen after that wasn't pitching much so it was one of those things where I was like okay how am I gonna deal with this and uh you know there's a few people that actually understood that thank you totally again because I know you were one of the people that were like checking on me and uh making sure I didn't jump off the CN Tower you know what I mean
0: yeah yeah here's listening. the background to it for those listening right now June 3rd 2017 against the New York Yankees Girlic gave up four home runs in a single inning in relief, becoming the first Blue Jays reliever to do so. And then at the end of hey. the month, he was designated for assignment. So congratulations and adios!
3: Hell of a month you had, Girlic. It was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> you know, one of my stellar moments, my highlights, low lights, my highlights. Yes. It, if you don't have a bad rap sheet as well as a good, a good, you know, people like to tell you when you get introduced and they tell all your your big accolades. I tell all these young kids, I said, "Do you know how much?" And everybody uses the Michael Jordan, you know, thing where they say, "You know, he didn't make his his high school team." You got to have a lot of failures to be successful, right? If it means you if you haven't experienced a bunch of stuff. So, I, I guess I can now that now that I'm retired after 20, 20 years uh, of professional baseball, I can proudly say at least I have something I can make fun of, and uh, I survived that one too. <laughs> you, geez,
1: so we talk a lot on this podcast of like at the very end of the show, I get a one minute rant and I get a rant and I've been ranting about youth sports and coaches and parents and all of that in between. Right. And the one thing that I've been stressing is failure. Right. Not, not to get too sappy or serious, but the importance of understanding what it's like to go for four or give up four homers in a game or not recording out like how important You, you have kids of your own, unbelievable children, unbelievable children, how much time do you spend pressing the issue of it's okay that you were you were horseshit today?
3: Uh, well, I think I'm gonna have more trouble with my nine-year-old. He's a little bit more uh, personality. <laughs> is, is definitely more like mine. My, my my oldest, Jace, he's uh, he's got the best demeanor for baseball because honestly, I can honestly say, no sugarcoating it. He if he goes four for four, he gives up four <laughs> runs. He strikes out fourth times. You don't know it, and that's the best. He's really even keel right now. I hope he can stay that way. Um, there was a few times where he was fighting back some tears, of having a tough time. But it's true. So I mean, you know, this game's all about confidence, right? And it's how you bounce back and get back on that 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 train. And when you're going good, sometimes even you know, even the even the pitches or you know, at bats that you get, uh, you get lucky. You Know and that keeps your streak going, it's just, that's just the way karma is in baseball, I guess. But yeah, it's it, these parents they get so uh, uh result oriented and honest. I understand why you want your, you got to do results to, to get ahead, get the college scholarships, get noticed by scouts, and, and whatnot. But uh, or keep your job for that matter in the big leagues. But uh, yeah, it's 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 a that's the key to this whole thing, the pregame. And the post-game assessment of yourself and what you're doing. Um, In-game, you're supposed to try to be as relaxed as possible. It's almost like I've become a good body language reader, especially with my own kids. And my nephew, I've been working with them quite a bit. And just to relax them, and I say, you know, if you hit a ball square up and you're trying to hit it further next time or harder or try to do more muscle, it, it I go, you're not relaxed. And it's amazing what you can do and play this game when you're relaxed. And that comes with confidence and the repetitions and the consistency, you know. So it, it's it's trying to get right. You could I could you could speak to more of a, as a hitter. Told of me I only got one home run in the big leagues, but oh my god, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Just
1: go ahead and throw that throw that
3: baby. You know, I <laughs> my throw
1: this one. One awesome thing I did, you
3: know. <laughs> hey, awesome geez, who, was it, hey who,
1: who
3: was it off of? <laughs> Tony Armas jr in Montreal that dates me one and two oh my God. because it was in a dome because it was in the dome it wasn't wind dated and I wasn't on juice especially if you look at if you look at the 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 90210 stature that I had over there with the sideburns and the skinny ass I had I was not I was probably one of the only 10 or 15 percent that was not on gear that year. Hey did you get all of it <laughs> What's that? Did you get all of it? I got all of it. I thought I hit a double and, and uh, I was running around second base and I almost threw up. I was so excited. I didn't know what to do. I was like, I got to break this down here.
0: <laughs>
3: I did a yeah, that's what they say about bad hitters. They don't know
1: if they got it.
3: I mean, it was saying. clean. It was clean. I, I understand the addiction for a hitter. You know, I mean, I, I've been on the opposite end of a lot of the long balls, but uh, I understand the addiction of you know feeling feeling clean like that, you know.
0: Man, yeah. all right, I'm already loving the, the the vibe of this podcast. I think uh, <laughs> grilled cheese is gonna have to become the fourth member of the show, man. Because there's so many real things quick. that I have questions for. We haven't we're totally. We're only twelve oh. minutes in, and we're like all over the place. I love. Hold this. on, we're all,
1: it doesn't matter because I let's get back to let's get back to your son real quick. A hundred percent a byproduct. If you guys ever met jason's father steve who also pitched in the major leagues pitched for a long time i think it's a byproduct jason's demeanor is a byproduct because of what he's seen you go through because he was older i remember him in the clubhouse right and being around your dad i i just think that's why he is who he is nicest kid in the world i was just with him this summer awesome awesome dude
3: well, thanks, man. Yeah, no, I I hope that it was osmosis. I'm glad that at least one of my sons, you know, he got to see some uh, inside stuff. I mean, even he goes, "Dad, can I just stay in the clubhouse?" And guys would come in with an injury or whatever. He's patting my son's patting the guy on the back, trying to give him, you know, hey, man, it's right. You know, he's 10 years old, and I'm like, "James, give him some breathing room, man." Like, he's got to come. Back. And everybody was pretty good about it. The you know, one guy who was worried about hanging out with too much was Joe Biagini. I didn't know if he was going to understand. Know, things that were coming, I we didn't, but great guy, yeah. <laughs> but Joe, when he was coming, I said, don't, don't screw up my kid, bro. Just don't screw up, use him because I'm confused,
0: yeah. You know, um, I'm gonna take you back to that night, uh, just to put a bow on it where, uh, in, in Toronto <laughs> when you became famous for uh giving up four homers, like and this goes back to like we talk about, like, you know, Tolly's coaching the kids, and Ricky's in that T ball world now, and uh, we. And I always listen, you know, on sports reporters, so I've been around, and I know what the best athletes in the world have done, where it's like, hey, the game's over, let it go. Now these 6U coaches are like, no, we got to go win a championship. We got to win a ring for these guys. It's like nobody cares about being the best 6-year-old in the world. But how do you – okay, here's what happened that night. Brett Gardner h- hits a solo home run. You get Aaron Hicks out. You get Eric Judge out. Then Holiday, Starling Castro, and Dede Gregorius go solo off of you. And then you get Chase Headley out. Like, this is fascinating to me. Like, how do you stay locked in to finish the freaking inning where a lot of guys have just been like, fuck this, man. I'm gone. How? how?
3: Uh, same way you do it when you punch out the side. I just, uh, you know, you just try to – there's a lot of things you can control. There's a lot of things you can't. Um, obviously, I, I looked back at that tape and and saw what mistakes I was making. And I was tipping my pitches. They had me down. Yeah. Um, oh pretty good. And, uh, you know, it's, it, as the Houston Astros know, they, it's a lot easier to hit, win a championship or,
2: you <laughs> know, it's coming.
3: So, you know, uh, I, I guess they didn't need a garbage can with me that day. They just had I wasn't <laughs> the garbage can. They enough shit up there, but, uh, it's all good, man. You know, you gotta take the good with the bad. Um, I had an unbelievable time being a blue Jays fan. Uh I, I grew up in Syracuse, New York, where my dad's career ended. And that's why I was such a huge Blue Jays fan. Still am. I, I can't wait for this season. They look they look pretty damn good on paper. Obviously, a lot of things have to go right. Tough division, as always. But, uh, yeah, my dad played for the AAA Syracuse Chiefs, which was the Blue Jays' affiliate for quite a long time. He owned a sports bar. Still does right up the road from there. And I used to see – to- Change of pace, baby. Change of pace, baby. The best wings in town. But uh, That's right. yeah, I, used to, I used to love the the days that the Blue Jays would scrimmage, you know, before the, on their way. there was one of their last spring training games. They'd scrimmage the AAA team, and I used to be in the clubhouse and got to, you know, hang out with Jack Morris, and Dave Winfield was a huge hero of mine growing up, even when he was a Yankee. So just like, run around there George Bell and all these guys. And then, you know, like I said, Ricky and I are at Fantasy League camp, but I'm hanging around all these guys that plastered all over my walls in my bedroom, you know, I wanted to be just like them and to rub shoulders with them. It was, it was obviously a dream come true and surreal. Uh, and I remember being in the sky dome when, when the championship runs were going and to uh, hold, you know, hang a banner in there. I'm pretty proud as a kid, like I said, I would sit down the first baseline with my dad, uh, albeit it's not a world series championship, but to say I was a part of a great team. I mean, we had a good cast, a lot of funny superstars, characters, egos. That clubhouse toll, right, was the something best. else. Yeah, the, the best. The best? Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. A reality that, TV it was, show. I said, if you wanted a reality was, TV yeah. show, they missed out. They missed out on hey, that. Geez, well we were actually talking the other day.
1: The most intense guy on the mound, Jason Grilley, no question in my mind, right? Talk to me about the fist pump real quick.
3: Uh, you know, it, it was not something. And, it, and Ken, a lot of you could bring on Stanton here, and I could sit there, and he, he got me. He took me a ball that's still probably in orbit, but uh, <laughs> he finally got me. I used to, I used to have a pretty, I had a pretty good success record against him, but a lot of guys took it personally uh, that I was showing them up. I was just jacked up, like looking at my catcher or looking at my teammates or the fans, because like I said, people don't know. I literally <laughs> threw up. Before, because I knew the responsibility of, especially the eighth inning was harder than the ninth uh, setting up because you're facing the, the heart of the order. You're facing the all-stars of the league in the eighth inning and 95% of the, the, the lineup rolls over to the heart of the order, two through five, depending on where it sits. But, uh, you know, closing was a little bit different because, like, if you if you debacle it, you get out of your own jams all the time, um, you know, it's, it's, it can be nerve-wracking, you know, and just to settle it and go – Screw it! But the fist pump kind of came about. Uh, truth be told, sometimes it could have been something off the field. You know, there's plenty of things off the field that were tugging at me too. So uh, the, my mound, the mound was a little bit of place that I could get out the, the tension, the frustration, and you know, let let some steam off. So I don't have that anymore. So I'm just trying to figure out. That's why I told, him I'm doing 900 things because retirement is uh, there's it. nothing. There's nothing but, like. But the- we're going to need some it's wine, different.
1: though, man. We're
2: going to need some of that good wine. Yes. I should go it grab a bottle. But, but I'll tell you here.
1: this. Jeez, th- this is what I was trying to say. Was, like, watch the closers, premier closers in the game today. There was a gap where there was, like, no emotion. Now watch the yeah. premier closers in the game. They're all doing it. The Liam Hendricks in right. the world. The the Dom, you, you you mentioned, like, a Dominic Leone. Like, the, like, these guys are finding more passion and playing winter ball. That was just how it was, so watching so watching Grilly do it was just a normal thing. And you're right, people would take it personal. And it's like, stop taking it personal. You don't like it, go get a freaking hit.
3: Well, I always used to. Well, I always used to laugh because it was okay for hitters to, you know, flip a bat, or well, that became a thing too, um, or just, you know, it was always about how how long did they take to watch it get out of the box. I mean, like I said, I used to turn and watch some of the ones that were mesmerizing you turn yes, around and watch right like, <laughs> you gotta tip your head i mean sometimes i mean you gotta face some big league hitters i remember manny machado in toronto i came in and was setting up for asuna and we were up like three runs and one i remember because we were up three runs and i made my pitch on the outside corner and he took it opposite field and hit it over the fence and i go sometimes big league hitters they're good enough to do what they do you know so it's yeah. respect and uh yep. You know the intensity. I guess is just like I said. It was just that emotion to be like, you know, you know the preparation of the work that goes into it. Pre-game, consistently all the way through. You're hurting, sore in a pennant race. There's a lot of variables. You know, some guys are in contract years. But I did speak to and ran into. You mentioned Liam Hendricks. I saw him out in Denver in last year's All-Star game. And he goes, Grilly, we used to make fun of you doing this and that. And I go really? I said, that's funny. I said, because you've gone, you've taken it to the next level. I thought, you know, <laughs> said, he's really like, he's really like going like crazy towards the hitters yeah, and I'm like, hold on.
2: There's video of him doing a live BP and he is mother effing everyone. like, everything <laughs> and like in live BP
3: and I'm like, Jesus. But <laughs> well, listen, I, I think I think it's funny because if we watch UFC fights, I've become a real big fan of watching the UFC. and The intensity of that and to see how these guys react. I mean, when you're doing something, we're not, we weren't playing golf. You know, we're not playing golf. It's not something that, and no, no offense in golf or tennis. If you can't celebrate your hard work respectfully, right? There's a fine line of like, are you really talking crap to the other guy? These guys, you're, you're all, you all know, those are fraternity brothers. And I can't remember who it was. It came up to me. It was like, you know, maybe it was Donaldson even. I can't remember. It was him. He goes, we used to. Say this, that, and the other thing, he goes, but now that you're on my team, I understand it more because I know you, you know. And uh, like I said, I, I didn't I did I wasn't so worried about what people thought of me. I was out there doing a job, living my dream, uh, painting my picture, you know, playing the guitar, however you want to call it, doing the artwork for him that I knew how to do it the way I did it and felt like it felt best to me.
0: But it's also um, you're you're it, a closer and it's like the most intense thing you're doing. You mentioned you had the three Ps before you even go into the game. You're on the zone. <clears throat> you don't want the city to hate you. You care about your craft. You you worry about what your teammates are doing. It's like I, I can only imagine what it is, that, that adrenaline rush you're going through. So, you know, you, you're not a robot where you're like you, you don't have any emotion. Like, okay, I just struck out this the best player in baseball. Yay. Okay, here, handshake. Like, it's okay <laughs> to, like, have emotion. Like, Ricky, there's been videos of him, like, pumping – and it was never like you're showboating or showing people up. That's why when guys are like, oh, you're acting like this. It's like, dude, calm the fuck down because you're as a hitter, you're hitting a bomb and you're feeling good too. So how come you can't do it? Like, let it be. Like, I, I hate those yeah. like, act like you've been there before. You know what? I don't care. This I haven't struck you out before today, so I'm gonna have fun with it. It's okay. It's,
2: it's true of <laughs> Grilly's saying too, though. I, I, I like what he said. You're, you're, you're out there, you're living your dream. You've worked so hard for that moment that hell yeah, I'm gonna enjoy it when I get a chance to enjoy it. And there's so much stuff that goes into baseball behind the scenes, a lot of failure that you deal with and stuff like that. That when you do, you know, go out there and, and get the job done, and, and you feel proud of yourself, you feel proud that you you made your team proud. It, it makes it that much better.
3: Man. Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to feel like again showboating. I think if you're genuinely can understand that you're celebratory, I mean. Every game matters in the big leagues. You're there to win, and, you know, it intensifies. When you're in a pennant race, you are there to win, and it feels good. And if you can't celebrate that, I think that's what keeps you up on top. If you can stay on that emotion and ride that high, you know, guys have other ways that they're, they're trying to duplicate it or chase it or stay consistent, whether it be playing a video game in their room, staying competitive, playing golf. A lot of pitchers play golf. You know, you got to keep your, those juices flowing. And and like I said, when you spray that champagne, that those emotions become so much more addicting to chase. And, uh, you know, you guys know if you spray that champagne, you get that sting in your eyes, man. There's nothing like it. It's very euphoric. So to, to roll it back to whether you started the game and you're sitting on the edge of the seats rooting for the guy who's, you know, in that middle relief role, Saving your inherited runs, whether you have a quality start or not—if that's even a stat anymore—that's um, <laughs> how I made my money, man. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's what I mean. That, there, that's why so you're not many- making anymore, Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> it's not <done. laughs> stat. It doesn't matter anymore, right? It don't <laughs> matter. Uh, but you no, guys know what up. I'm saying.
2: I, I wanted to ask you this: You you were drafted fourth overall in in '97. Jay, and it seemed like early in your career, though, you dealt with, like, getting traded, rule five, and all that. How were you able to, like, keep that composure at a young age to be able to see and be like, man, is this what baseball really is about? Like, how long did it take you to, to realize the business side of baseball?
3: Well, I was traded uh, for LeVon Hernandez. Um, I was hoping to be with the Giants. I was excited, the new ballpark. I, I kind of was projected that in 2000. I believe when the park opened up was what, when I was going to project it to maybe get my feet wet in some big league dirt. Uh, so being traded um, in 99 really kind of introduced me to the business of baseball. And I remember being traded, being excited because I was going to Florida, which I'm an East Coast guy. All my family's there. Figured it would be easier to see, see them, stay in touch with them. Uh, but the business side, and I was in AAA at the time in the, in the Pacific Coast League, which if you can get out of that league, you can survive anything. <laughs> That's but, the truth. <laughs> oh, my God. And the worst part of it was I was in the worst uh, couple of cities, Des Moines, Iowa, and um, oh. where were we at? I think Wichita. No, not Wichita. What's the other AAA part? Oh, Memphis. No, not Memphis. What am I thinking of? The Royal. Man, Omaha, you know? Omaha. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Omaha, terrible. Des Moines trip. Terrible. I got traded. I just stayed stay there for like a week and a half. I was like. Okay, that was mentally challenging in itself. Let alone trying to figure out the trade and all that. How did I stay in it, guys? I, you know, I just knew where I wanted to be, um, and that was a time, literally, when I, I remember calling my pops and seeing the needles being passed around and stuff like that, battling through that. I wasn't, ex- I wasn't exposed to some of those reindeer game discussions. I think because I was a first round pick, um, and you know, being competitive, right? Even if you're competing against the other team, there's guys on your team that you're competing against to get that first call up. So I was never privy to that, nor did I even cross my mind. I, I've talked to my dad about it. I'm, I'm old school. I was raised at old school in the game. And I get nothing against guys that chose to do it. If they got million, multi-million dollars, it was accepted at the time. Uh, you know, not to put a negative spin on baseball because it existed. I took it as the positive to say, well, shit, if I'm good enough, just be drafted where I was and I can still get you out and you're still doing something with that might make you feel good, recover good, a little bit stronger, uh, hit the ball a little deeper off me or whatever. I, I, I felt pretty good saying, if I got you out, I'm, I'm, I'm winning, you know, I'm still winning. So, uh, it just however you take that competitive edge and advantage, I just never wanted to take the uniform off. I made them rip it literally off of me and, uh, you know, got to squeak out something. I, I squeezed out 20 years professionally accidentally, so I must have figured out something. to be intense for as long as I could. It feels nice, though, being in retirement. I'll tell you what. Not having to be intense like that, I look, and I'm like, God, that's so tiring. I have a hard time getting up my driveway after I get the mail. Yeah, yeah you Even know what? I was,
1: watching a, I, I was watching a spring training game the other day, and I thought the same thing. It was like, what happens when you get to the ballpark at 545 in the morning? how tough it is to now it's 110 and the and the lights turn on and the TV cameras roll, and you're like, dude, these guys have been there for seven hours. And people have no idea. Like, I don't miss the grind of that, personally. <laughs> I miss being around with the boys, but it's like the idea of the cage work, the extra catching, the team defense, the individual defense, then catching bullpens, and now all of a sudden, like, okay, now we have a game. JT, you're catching the back half. So now I sit on the bench for four hours, and then I go in and catch, right? Like that. This was the hardest time of the year for me as I was getting, as you're kind of getting in towards the season. So um, I, I agree, Jeez, I'm i the same way. Like I
2: don't I don't miss do that you portion. You you were catching you were catching one dude. Come on. <laughs>
3: Listen, though, hey, how's your adrenals, though? Like, how about all your adrenals? I, I Seriously, because I felt like, like you said, from the beginning, even in spring training, I used to get so jacked up. People used to make fun of me even with that. Why are you so excited about spring training? Because it's I just had so much fun being in that clubhouse. I never wanted to take that uniform off, man. Yeah. But the adrenaline that I had, even steady, even in the morning, you know, just yeah. uh, you didn't want to look bad. You wanted to look prepared. You always had to be. Spot on. You never know, uh, you know, who's taking a picture, who's watching you. You just, you just don't. So you're always on. It's, a, it's a very intense day from the moment you, you get out yeah. there, and you know that's some of the, some of the best times were when uh, being a relief pitcher. If you were used a lot, the manager would come up, like Gibby would come up and go, "Grail, you're down today." I said, "Are you sure?" And when he said, "You're down today," which is very rare, you're like, "Oh, you just felt, you just felt like." Right. Okay. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. Then the, the, and then all the fuckery starts. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: It's That's true right. what these guys say, though. It's true what these guys say. For me, too, I don't miss the preparation. I miss the clubhouse. Yeah. When people ask yeah. you, what do you miss most about baseball? It's not the, the preparation, the, the playing catch and getting ready for a start. For starters, you're the only guy out there warming up early. You're, you're out there 20 minutes before game time. the the cameras are on you and the catcher and, and I I really am I still competitive to a certain extent I am, but like when, when when I go back to Toronto and watch these guys prepare before a game, I'm like, man, I I don't miss that, but I miss everything that goes on in the dugout and in that clubhouse. So it's, it's, it really is a a real thing. I think when I talk to, when you talk to most retired players, they say the exact same thing.
1: And it, and it's so different now too, right? Like, I remember in toronto like scotty weberg was the strength coach like for the assistant strength coach and we'd go in there just get our pump on and just like but it's so different now right like you go into the clubhouse and there's all like here's your program here's your program this is what you do you got to do this before you do this we're like i don't even know that i could live in that era truly I, it's like we would go in there music would be <laughs> blasting we get under the dumbbells just start repping it out get some blood flowing and then all of a sudden, it's like, let's go. Where now it's so much more control. And like, I I don't know. I, hey, I, uh, I geez, see it.
0: What kind of guy was totally in the weight room? Were you ever around him?
3: <laughs> I used to see, run I don't know at the spread table. I don't know about the, the <laughs> room. Yeah, he was in the cafeteria. I don't know what he's talking about. Oh, <laughs> oh. Know, you guys. Oh, yeah. training room, one of the two. We, we had some good training room sessions, Toll. Oh, Boston? Me, you, and Donaldson. Yeah. I just, that's, yeah. that's the stuff like you talk about, right? riggy you're spot on, man. We missing, just laughing. There's t- tears. I mean, Johnny Gomes, teammate of mine. Oh. I used to sit there and go, if you guys keep making me laugh, I felt like I was going to tear an oblique and that was, a, yeah. you know, non-baseball related injuries. I can't, you can't, you can't say that I slipped in the shower from laughing so hard, you know? <laughs> Be oh. on the DL for that, but yeah, the good times, man, is when you're sitting there chucking it up with the guys and making fun of each other and that sort of stuff. Why Why, oh, why, it, why it, was, was
0: Tolly making you laugh so much because he was swole?
3: No, everybody really looked swole. Like on Tolly because you know it was just he was he, you know, I have to say though, Tolly, you take you take it pretty damn good, man. It takes, yeah, it, it takes it, takes a big person to take some of the jokes that you took, and you know, you took it all in good <laughs> stride. Hey, he gives it back though. He's got a lot of ammunition. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, we, yeah. we heard from like,
3: Tulo. Yeah, okay. Just let and him people, have
2: it. People always ask me, "What's the one thing you wish you would have been a part of?" And it's those teams. It was right. I got yeah. released in 2015, and that's when they made the runs. Um, so <laughs> I, all I hear, I, all I ever hear, is about how great the clubhouse was and the personalities and just the crazy shit that would go in, in that clubhouse. And but then when they'd go out there, they'd go out there and ball out, you know. And it's ball crazy out. what. Like, yeah. ball out. like To this day, I'm like, how does this team not win all series? And I'm sure it's in, in the back of you guys' heads, too. Like, it's like, how, yeah, do, we- how do they not get there?
1: Yeah. I mean, 16. Literally,
3: how do we not win the World Series? Wow. That's well, unbelievable. I mean, the Cleveland Indians, I have to say, tip your cap again. Respect. They they, they played better than us. I uh, argue that who was the better team. Uh, they were in the right Right uh, frame of mind, and um, I think offensively, from what I remember, I felt like we were trying to hit three-run home runs with nobody on base. I mean, everybody was just in a mode of, like, I said, can we hit a double first or, you know, just start approaching. And then, like I said, no knock against the offense because we had a really good one. Uh, uh, Andrew Miller was filthy. I mean, that. very –
2: Right. Who was he the was, pitcher? Who was, who, who was the pitcher who who started uh, one of the games that Bautista came out and said he's going to be shaking in his boots? <laughs> the kid comes out and that was Trev- shoves him that up. was Trevor Bauer. No, 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 no. Bauer? Bauer yes, messed it up was. His hand. It was bleeding. No, 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 no. He was a rookie guy making uh making a playoff game. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't Bauer because Bauer had cut his hand on the drone or whatever. It wasn't Bauer. Was it was another day. kid. He was another kid. You know, uh, he he got the start, and I remember Bautista saying, like, or I, the media, like, something in the media came out saying, yeah, he's going to be shaking in his boots. And the guy comes out and I think goes, like, five scoreless. <laughs> yeah, I never, I never
3: liked waiting wait to sleep in jail, especially uh, in the media. Oh, Merritt.
0: Merritt. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. Ryan Merritt is going to be Whoa. shaking his boots for game five. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Lefty. Yep. Yeah. And That'll came be out be and beat us. us. Just shove. Hey, uh, geez, shove. Look, you up. You got to the major league – or you got drafted in 1997 – out of Seton Hall in 1998, and then uh, you're 21 years old. But you we, – we talk about this a lot too where nowadays, because of uh, instant gratification of society where parents want their kids to be the best ever, right? You're going to be a first-round pick when you're 12 years old, right? You got drafted out of high school, but you decided to go to college. And we talk a lot about this. Tolley didn't. He signed right away. Ricky went to college and just like you where you guys were drafted late out of high school – but then at a college Ricky was the number 6 pick overall. You were the number 4 pick overall. Right now you have your son. If your son is a stud, say he gets drafted third round. You send him to college, or you send him to pro ball
3: Uh, you know, I kind of wanted a personal choice. I mean, if he's a terrible student, which he's a B student is, you know, so I think it's just a maturity level. I know I was actually 17. I was a young senior in 94 actually had, uh, actually had a strike that year. So it was kind of what the Yankees offered me was basically the same as what Seton Hall offered me for a, for a full ride, which is about a hundred grand. And I said to my dad, I said, dad, you know, truthfully, I said, you own a sports bar. I've had a few couple, but you know, Bud Lights, unbeknownst to you, while I was working down there at the bar. So I said, it's not about being scared. I said, I just don't know if I'm ready to do that. I said, I really want to experience college, and uh, you know, chase some chase some girls and figure out what you know, three years of maturing will still get me ranked a little bit higher. And it happened just to be the right move. Matt Morris was a my wingman. He took me under his wing and. uh, showed me the ropes I and mean, he was a first round pick with the Cardinals. So the track record of that, I was very fortunate that Matt Morris was there. Um, I kind of just emulated what he did and tried to do a little bit more uh, to improve what, what he was uh, doing and, and see what the, what else I could do to just keep myself on that, that edge and put myself in that best position. It all worked out good, good choice on my part, I guess. But if my son does it, I'll advise him the same way. What do, how do you feel? You know is the money there obviously the, the draft is way different now than than it was even back then the whole game is um but yeah i think it's just a matter of we'll cross that bridge when we get there yeah. i tell my son right now i said there's no scouts here there's no so so try to get the feeling of putting the pressure on yourself one of the proudest moments i had with my own son again if i can brag on him it's better than talking about my own career now i understand what my dad was like but uh <laughs> He, he he There was a bases loaded opportunity for him to comes up to bat. This kid throws one in his ear hole um, on a 2-1 pitch. He goes down. He gets back up there. I said, all right, take it opposite field, you know, because he's got good opposite power. He's, he's pretty good that way. He winds up hitting a grand slam. He got pissed off. Like, I've never seen him. And I was just like, okay, it's in you. You know, so it's kind of cool to see how these kids – and I don't like it when coaches yell. I didn't respond. I don't know about you, you guys. Uh, there's a there's a level of yelling or a coach that's that's yelling at you for a good reason to push you a little bit. But I see a lot of these little league coaches or or uh, guys that are that are you know graciously donating their time to these kids. But what they don't understand is that yelling at them and trying to coach them, it, it's more of coaching yelling at them to catch the ball, throw the ball, hit the ball is not coaching. You know, the, the coaching is really done for, for these amateurs pregame and postgame. Let the kids play during the game because telling them where their elbow needs to go or this, that, and the other, you can do that in the dugout. Take a timeout. Have a mound visit, right? Uh, a lot can be said just in a, a, a brief moment. If they can do it, great. But isn't that the game, right? That's the adjustment. Can they do it on their own? Uh, I could tell them all you want to boo in the face. They got enough pressure. I had enough pressure. I didn't want somebody yelling at me. And you guys know when thirty thousand people are yelling at you or booing you or whatever else, you still got to make yeah. that pitch. That's hard. So you know when you're when you these kids are out on these fields, open fields, and there's twenty five sets of families out there, and and you're hearing one guy yell at you and, and belittling you. I don't see what kid or adult would even flourish in that unless you want to show up your coach and be like, there you go. So there's bad news bears. You know, we saw that that movie, right? You can do it that Love way. That. Prove, prove your coach wrong. But really, truthfully, I think the answer, what we're talking about is, you know, try to let these kids play. You know, I've seen some kids not want to get in the car with their father after a practice, let alone a game. And I'm like, <laughs> sad. I wonder why they're picking up a lacrosse stick, you know? Yeah. They I mean, get yeah. – get-
2: Those are great points. Mm-hmm. It's true. I mean, we – we i mean i i'm like Bethel said i'm kind of new to the little league world and and i'm seeing it more and more and it's like you're almost you look around and you're like wow like obviously i'm at the 5 6-year-old level yet you know where you're still t- like hey just don't tackle each other after you run for the ball <laughs> you know like my son is a little bigger than everyone else and it's just the way they just swarm the ball where i'm now i'm like starting to teach him like hey let's let's work on something the ground ball, throw it to first base. Field the ground ball, throw it to first base. Stuff like that, but it's just, it's it's crazy what you see at other levels, and it, yeah, it's just mind-boggling how you like how you said, oh, like the screaming and this and that. I, it, it Everyone wants to label like the generation of being soft, and we've talked about this before. But it's like it's not really the kids' fault. It's it's the, the coaches and the way we're we're like it, it falls on us adults, you know. There's there's like you said there's there's a time where there's a little bit of tough love and you're 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 on them about something, but a lot of that stuff can be done in the dugout. It's true. It's, it really is. It, 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 you can't really be – It it's not a PlayStation game where you're sitting there and you're like, go left, go right, go. Pick up your elbow, <laughs> do this, do that. It, 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 Baseball is not like that, and you're right. You have to be in a relaxed state of mind in order to be successful.
1: I like, understand.
3: Person.
1: Go ahead, Josh. no Sorry, First off, eighty percent of the parents that are telling them they're yelling—you're right, screaming at their kid. Come on, Johnny, get your elbow up. They don't even know what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> like, at, at least know at least know what you're yelling at them for, and like how to fix it. If you're going to yell, I'm with you. I'm I'm a listen. Constructive criticism and positive reinforcement—that's where I, that's how I deal with my ten-year-old team, and I have some. Really talented players. I have some kids who are learning and growing. But, like, at the end of the day, positive reinforcement can go a long way. And not to be soft. Like, you don't try to coddle them because, let me tell you, Sunday, and you'll hear it on my rant here in a little bit, <laughs> I got into it. I gave it to the boys over some nonsense because one thing I, I preach is be a good teammate. And when you're not being a good teammate, that's where I draw the line and that's where I yell. That's when I get pissed.
0: Well, you know what? Over so, so there, Tony? Totally? You know what? <clears throat> we have a rant. Where totally gets to have a minute of totally time, uh, Jeez, where he just goes and says whatever he wants, and it's whatever whatever's up 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 totally, you know that day. So totally says we're here. Go ahead. Let's cut into it. It's usually at the end of the show, but we're gonna do a special for you right now, totally because I can see the steam coming out of your ears because you mentioned those kids. Cooking, baby. All right, so Cooking. Tony, get your timer ready to go. And cheese, you're gonna hear this for the first time, and and go ahead, laugh all you want, yell at him all you want, because this is beautiful to see. But just when you're watching this, look at his facial expressions. They're the best during this because he gets all into it right now. All right, everybody, it's time a special edition, an early edition. Of Tony time. Go ahead, Tony. Camera's all you, baby.
1: Hey, Sunday at practice, I, I prepare my kids with their lineup. So I have 19 kids. Every position for every inning is mapped out before we even get to the ballpark. I have one kid who I asked to play the outfield. He approaches me in the outfield and says, I don't play the outfield. I said, today, son, you're going to play the outfield. He says, nope, I don't play the outfield. I don't play the outfield in Little League, and I'm not playing on this team. I said, well, then you have another option. You can go sit down or you can play the outfield. So he stood in the outfield with his glove on his hip. I'm a big advocate of ready position, get in the ready position. Left foot hop, right? Kid's stand there with his glove. I say, get in the ready position. Kid just looks at me. Get in the ready position. So now I'm pissed. I'm steaming. After the practice, I bring all the parents, I bring all the kids into a room. And I say, here's what we did in the game. Good job, blah, blah, blah. And I said, never again. Let this be your fair warning. Never again. You will play the position I tell you to play. You will be a good teammate. You might have to play the outfield. You might have to play third base. No kid will ever undermine what position I tell him to play anymore. Capiche? Everybody's got it. They all looked at me. And the kid that knew it was at fault, he just tucked right behind the corner. So all the kids listening, all the parents listening, When your coach tells you to play a position, play the damn position. That took longer than I was supposed to. (laughs) (laughs) Piss me off. Play the position I tell you to play, kid.
3: I like the capiche. Are you an Italian? You an Italian out there, capiche. Capiche. I say
1: capiche.
3: I say capiche. Capiche. And they all look at
1: me and go, caposh. Smart.
2: You an Italian on him, Why? They're 10 years old. (laughs) How, how was that, man, how, for you, representing the Italian team? Yeah, in the WBC. exactly. Oh, three times. Oh,
3: that was some of the best. I mean, honestly, that was uh, that was playoff and World Series kind of the caliber of baseball in spring training. So I'm excited uh, that they'll be coming up, what, next year? I think they're playing it again next year, right? This is the year they're having the World Baseball yeah. Classic. But each time, I know playing for Team Italy, I got a funny story, and I don't want to throw him under the bus, another – good friend and catcher of mine, Chris Ionetta. He decided to play for Team USA. I know Derek's here. The big wigs were on Team USA. Uh, so playing for Team Italy, I was teasing him. I said, dude, you're not Italian. He goes, what do you mean I'm not Italian? I said, you're like Olive Garden. If you play for Team USA, you can't tell <laughs> Now you're like Olive Garden, bro. He got so mad, but he had such a good time. <laughs> Represent who you're really from, man. Come on, let's go. We needed you. We needed. We needed Chris
2: uh, I mean, you guys you know, had some pretty good upsets too, man. That that's what's was crazy. That? You guys had
3: you guys had some pretty good upsets. You guys okay. played pretty. You guys played some you other did. countries really, really good. Well, uh, let me tell let me, let me tell you this. So you know, we obviously had our, our handful of guys like the Nick Puntos and uh, Piazza was there one year. You know, there was guys that had some some pretty good uh, track record in the big leagues. But we play with these Italian nationals. If people don't realize – this is why I'm doing this whole wine thing. I can segue into that later. But these guys work all week, right? It's like being a student athlete. But they actually have jobs, right? They work all week, and they train all week after they're working at their job if they're a player, and then they play their games on the weekend. So we get all these Italian national guys that are coming in, and here's this big league experience, especially in 2009. That was really like the first – real big one because we were in a bracket year one in 2006, where I think that picture is from. We had like Australia, Dominican, and Venezuela. We weren't making it out past Dominican and Venezuela. They were stacked. But the experience of just going each time through it, we played in Toronto in 2009. These guys were like, this is their big league dream. This is what they've been working for. And one guy we went to the next round, he couldn't go to the next round. He's like, I can't go to the next round. He was all upset. We're like, why can't you go? He goes, I'll lose my job. I got to go back to Italy. I got to go to work. Right? So I can find these guys, but here they're out there facing Miguel Cabrera, you know, for the first time in, time in their whole life. And, uh, you know, they got to go back and, and, and make spaghetti at the restaurant. It's just. Uh, oh, my God. That's awesome. I'm going to lose it, my job. It, it was such a cool experience playing for, you know, where I'm rooted down, my Italian blood and heritage. It was so cool. I said, even if we didn't win the World Baseball Class, I tell people all the time, I said we had the best spread table bar. <laughs> yeah. We,
1: oh,
3: couldn't eat, we couldn't eat half the food that was on our spread table before we went out there.
0: Yeah. how, how was the wine? wine yeah. How was the wine after the games?
3: Oh, forget. It. We had we had mob hits going on. It was great. What
0: about this? It thing? was
3: it was something <laughs> there you go. That's some of the rock and ball wine right there. That's the new that's the new me, right? Yeah.
0: That's
3: the new You got your own wine going, really? I do. I uh, started it with my buddy, Massimiliano Jeddy. It's his name. He does all the websites for the biggest uh, wineries in Tuscany. And I was trying to help him give ideas to uh, grow Italian baseball, get some, hopefully, some more uh, Italian-rooted players, born natural, Italian-born players to play in the big leagues. No different than guys in Japan, Venezuela, Dominican. It's like, that's what the World Baseball Classic does. So I said, can we please use the grape juice? Maybe we can get some funds, get some more fans, help build up your facilities, clubhouses, maybe get you guys to work a little bit less so you can play more baseball. That would be cool. So that's kind of the idea behind yep. the wine. So every time people buy our, my bottles of my wine, a uh, portion of the proceeds goes to fund the Italian baseball, you know, leagues, softball leagues. They even have a blind league, which is pretty crazy. If you can find some video on Watching blind people play baseball, it's it's pretty incredible. No way.
2: Did you ever consider <laughs> going out there and playing in that league towards the end of your career?
3: I was asked to do it, but, again, the intensity. When you come off a big league field, I want to see more uh, jump on the cage to uh, – there's the rock and ball line. Um <laughs> You know, I think it was just more. I couldn't wait to to, to see my kids play, be home, be a dad. Uh, John, Brock, have, you know, he retired. One of our,
2: one of our first guests ever, Scott Richmond, had a chance to go out there and play, and he, he well, talked about right. that experience. About the yeah, the, he he said he would travel all week, just go out and explore, and then on the weekends they'd play the games.
0: <laughs> <what it> <laughs> yeah. Richmond actually hooked me up because I took my son to uh, Italy a couple of years ago, and. I met Richmond doing the podcast, and he's like, oh, I got a great tour guide for you. He's like, in Florence, in Italy, he's like hooking me up with this. I'm like, wait, weren't you playing baseball? He goes, oh, only on Sundays, because I, I was the pitcher, so he'd only show up on Sundays to pitch. And then that during the week, awesome. his kids are in elementary. He's like, we just took him to, hey, let's go see the Leaning Tower. Like, let's go see David. Like, that right, was cool. Yeah, it was a, it was a trip. So uh, so where can people get your wine?
3: Uh, we're about to release our store online uh, this coming month, April. We should have our uh, online store coming. Uh, we're rolling out. We just signed uh, Yogi Berra's name to uh, his own label, his estate, to honor the great uh, Yogi Berra. So we're pretty pretty excited, and we're trying to get all the AEIOUs, not just baseball players, but athletes, if you can see the logo, Um it, you know, the name of the wine is Rock and Ball Wine because every athlete wants to be a rock star and every rock star wants to be an athlete. I know I do. Uh, I should have been more like Eddie Vedder. I could have been playing longer, lot longer. Than, <laughs> you know, hey, let let,
1: I, hey, let me say something real quick. Then I have to go get my kids. But I'm going to tell you this: I went to his wine event at his house. Best part of the story: we got there. What time did we get there? We, we checked into the hotel maybe like at noon, and. I'm texting him, cheese, I'm fired up. I can't wait. Blah blah blah. He's like, Bro, the wine's not here yet. We're like, what do you mean the wine's not there? We're coming for a wine party and there's no wine. He's like, it just landed on at the airport. Was it your father and a couple other people drove, unloaded all the boxes of wine? We show up there, this whole table, and I mean he has a massive kitchen table. I've never seen more wine in my left life. I never drank more wine in my life. My wife drank so much wine. She bought a bunch of wine, didn't know she bought wine. We came home with six bottles of wine, which she thought were free, until he's sending her Venmo request, like, hey, you got to pay for the wine. <laughs> Meanwhile, the wine that we took home was gone within three days. It was awesome wine. All the people listening, if you're a wine drinker, this is your wine.
0: Chase, <laughs> you know, right the man? Right I got to right go right. get my kids. You guys keep
1: chopping it up. This yeah, yeah, is freaking yeah, yeah. awesome.
0: Uh, this is good, man. People are Yeah, man. It. All right, totally. See yeah. ya. Yeah, bro. See ya all right, we got, we got a couple questions for you, uh, jay you, you don't have to go. We got a couple more minutes for you? Uh, I'm good, man. I'm all all right, good. Here we go. Here, here we go. Uh, our good friend, the Green Eye Bandit, says, do you have any good Lenny Randall stories?
3: I don't, unfortunately. <laughs> I'd like to know what
0: Look at that! Get out of here, then Caesar. He <laughs> he—he's a friend. He used to be a, a Raider fan. Then he got a girlfriend. and he became a Rams fan. You know how that goes.
2: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jay. Jay I want to ask you. I want to ask you. What was your first experience like uh, when you got called up to the big leagues? Like, where were you? What city were you in? Did you get? Did you make the team out of camp, or were you called mid-season? You no.
3: Know, how... you no, know, it's a kind of a crazy story because uh, I had a terrible start to the year. at triple A Calgary. Believe it or not, the Florida Marlins triple A was in calgary canada Uh, again pcl i hated that was probably one of the times i was like how do i get out of here i'd rather go to double a than play up here but it was a cool city cool city but you know the flag was blowing like this and this by game time up and out in the pcl with guys on steroids so it was a tough place to pitch i think i was rocking about seven seven something era I get called in the office. They're like, oh, you're going up to the big leagues. I go, what? I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, Alex Fernandez is on the DL and Ricky bonus He apparently hurt his back, too. He was supposed to spot start. He's injured. Uh, you're next in line. They need a starter for one game. I'm like, all right, who, am I, who are we facing? They're like, I think the Pirates. And I looked at the schedule. I was like, holy shit, it's the Atlanta freaking Braves, right? So I was like, my big league debut is against Atlanta. I had to fly all the way from Calgary, Canada, checked in to uh, layover in Dallas, Texas, and then to Miami. So it was about seven or eight hours of you know travel time, and I'm sitting there. You talk about being nervous and all that dry mouth. I'm like asking the the, the flight attendants to give, give me drinks and stuff like that. And I'm like you know the stuff that's going through your head. I'm like, you talk about an adrenaline rush that just lasted way too long. I was exhausted, and. uh that I wound up winning, and I wound up having my first career injury. I wound up leaving the game with a stress fracture. I, I completed my, uh, yeah, pitched my big league debut with a little bit of an injury, broken arm, but I didn't feel it at the time <laughs> uh, because the adrenaline was there, and I didn't want to screw up my big league debut. Actually, you know it's funny? This fell off the wall the other day. Here you go. If you want to see how what a steroid junkie doesn't look like, this is my big league debut. I got the the win and oh, the game-winning right. hit again. Kevin Millwood, so you got you the know, game it. Yeah, I beat Kevin Millwood, and um, it was a good day down there. Hell yeah! So you, you
2: still, so stress, stress fracture to the to the elbow.
3: Yes, yeah, to the on bone, and that's what caused Tommy John. So at the beginning of my career, uh, like you said, I went through a lot of injuries and and things that keep you know the dream alive. I had to battle through a lot and glad I did. You know, Dr. Andrew's okay. put on do. Did you announce the injury before you got sent down or after you got sent down? No, I know. I wish I, I did. They sent me out. They told me I was up there for one wow. game and they, I'm sitting there drinking beers with everybody. Everybody's pouring champagne. You know, I won my big league debut as a rookie. It brought my let my dad come into clubhouse. He and I are drinking beers. The guys are going out the door to New York to play on the road at a road trip, and I'm like, it was such a buzzkill. I was so deflated. Like, I want to stay in the big leagues. I don't want to go back to Calgary. And then I threw my next bullpen, and we were in Portland, Oregon, and I couldn't even reach the mount, the plate. I, I went back in. I was like, something's not right. And uh, I remember being in a boatload of pain. Come to find out, through a bunch of stress tests and all that. I had a broken bone. Dr. Andrews said, Hey, I'm going to put a screw in your elbow. And he goes, I'll probably see you, a year, I'll see you again a year or two later. Uh, I'm like, perfect. I said, So I'm basically delaying my time clock in the big leagues or trying to get there. And so, uh, yeah, it's been been a lot. Of, <laughs> there was a lot of time in between some of that stuff, but I'm glad I overcame that. You know? Some adversity yeah, made
2: stronger. I mean You go from that to like knee injuries to Achilles and all that yeah. and that that's crazy, everything you overcame, that to, to be able to still be able to have a long 20-year career, yeah. because everyone always sees like, oh, Jason Greeley, 20 years, damn, 20 years professional ball, but nobody really sees
1: the pain. all the
2: shit that, that you go through and the pain that you wake up in every day, if, you know, or the, the rehab, the, to me, the rehab process is probably the hardest thing ever. Me and you probably are the same competitive-wise, like we, We love being out there, and when that gets taken away from you, and you're competing against yourself only to try and rehab something, it's to me it was the worst thing ever.
3: Well, you're off the grid, man. You feel like so alone, and you know there's nobody cheering for you in the in the rehab center. You know, there's nobody that's getting you up out of bed to say Mm -hmm. I got to make this appointment. And I kept challenging myself. I used to beat my therapist uh, to the to the. Doris said, Why are you here, Sword? I said, I gotta challenge myself to want to be here. Because I said, This is not where I want to be. This is my livelihood. This so is how I'm supporting my family. And uh, you know, I gotta be I gotta be better. I can't be bitter about my injury, I can't be depressed about it. Obviously, if I trusted Dr. Andrews and the surgeons that I've been fortunate to put Humpty Dumpty back together again numerous times, uh, you know, I always felt that that should be an enhancement in that, hey, they they the technology now should make me healthier. But I did have to reposition and recalculate, recalibrate uh, some mechanics and stuff like that to get there. And so, again, you, I'll go back to one of your first questions about the fist pumping and all that. There was a lot that was stored up inside for me, you know, to celebrate some of those victories that weren't even – they're baseball-related, but they're more personally, mentally – emotionally related to overcoming those obstacles, you know, uh, to hang on to the game as long as I did and borrow it. I'm very fortunate. I'm very blessed. Um, there's times I and wish I could do the compet- competing, but, yeah, I don't yeah, miss the like, injury. I,
2: what, like, it seemed like with the Pirates, you, you hit your stride, right? Like, you just – you, you make an all-star team and, and you know, you, you go to the playoffs and all that stuff. What What do you think, like – what flipped the switch for you like later in your career? Because again, you were a top prospect, you were a high draft pick, but what hit a what kind of turned on for you? What adjustments did you make? What what did you do? Because again, we talk a lot of a lot of young kids listen to our podcasts and stuff like that and coaches, and and they again they never see the struggles that we go through. What and for you, somebody who like it seemed like towards the end, of your career, it's like you just hit another level, man, and you were throwing harder. Like, what what is it that you did differently?
3: Uh, I, Well, again, going from a starter mentality where I was a sinker ball pitcher to, you know, being more of a strikeout pitcher. Um, Gary Sheffield was a good friend of mine, teammate of mine in Detroit, uh, became my agent, discussing some things. I used to eavesdrop on conversations against hitters. You know, he was giving lessons and tutelage to all these other guys that want to talk to him about hitting. But I was eavesdropping, nice, you know, on those conversations too. But I just think I just emptied the tank. It was more of a mentality to be like, I'm not going to hold back. I want to get the most out of this. Um, you know, I had good enough numbers as a setup guy even um, in 2012. I thought I had a chance to make an all-star team, and it didn't matter whether you did or didn't. Just being on that ballot, I was like, okay, it validates some things. Um, I hope to make it. I, I think I just emptied the tank. Right? You know, I just uh, wanted to get the most out of it. I just wanted to be uh, have a significant role that I could uh, be a part of and be accountable for, you know. Um, it, it's it's nicer, right, to be a part of a team that you're contributing to than to say, oh, I won a World Series ring. I was on the roster, but I didn't get to play. I, you know, I wouldn't be – not to say that you wouldn't be proud to be a part of the team, but when you contribute, it's it's a different – type of feeling. Right. And so yeah. I think for me, it was one of those, things where, like I wanted to be a, someone that guys could rely on or, um, guys that looked up in the counter too. Cause I'd looked up to guys coming up and you, you, I didn't have that. I didn't think I had that mentality cause I was trying to figure out, there's a lot of time where I was battling injuries, trying to make a team, uh, not on the roster up and down. That's a mental struggle in itself. You know, when yeah. you're, when you're set up for success, you know, right. A lot of guys have success. What, when they, they finally get that secured big league, long-term deal, you can relax, man. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think when you get to those stages in your career, um, you know, I, I always find that there's five points in your career. You want to get drafted. You want to make your big league debut. You want to play every day. You want to get your big league contract and then you want to win a championship. I think that's the order that really, it kind of, it kind of goes in. And, um, you know, along those lines, it doesn't always go the way you expect it to go or hope it to go. So, for me, I think it was just more of like, I only have this much chance, I don't know how long I'm going to play. My goal was to play till I was 40, and luckily I was able to hang on for that long despite all my ups and downs. But, uh, that's
0: crazy,
3: yeah. yeah. No, it,
2: and cool. it's cool because you guys had during, during those years in Pittsburgh, you guys had Pittsburgh rocking and rolling too, yeah. man. So, you go from that you see that place rock and roll and you know obviously the pirates always struggle in putting out a championship type team so when when you see that on tv you're like that's dope and then you go to toronto and then they put that championship team together too and you get to see that dome and again it, it's pretty cool that you got to experience like two cities that were hungry for winning and and and, and you oh, guys
3: had, had them living it was amazing like i said to, to be here and I, and I stayed in pittsburgh um, for lots of reasons especially my kids it's a good place for them to go to school and grow up here but uh you know this is a baseball town and i think once that I'm, I'm hopeful you know with all the cba stuff that's going on there's always a talk about a cap i hope there's a bottom i hope there's a basement that they bring up to say teams have to spend at least this much so mm-hmm. that there is more fair competition because the same teams will continue to spend as much money, oodles of money, the big market teams. And these low market yeah. teams just become what I call 4A teams, where they're just <laughs> developing players in big leagues. Uh, I, if I was going to be drafted today, I would hope the Pittsburgh Pirates would draft me number one or two or three. Why? Because you're going to get to the big leagues, get that experience, like I said, and that, those those five you know, points that a player needs to go through or wants to go through. And if you get your feet wet and prove that you can be an everyday player, in a low market team, it, it sucks to lose, but I think getting through that and that adversity will make you tougher and ready to play for a bigger market team that's gonna sign you to a big deal or uh, trade for you and, and become a part of a team that's a championship, you know, running team.
0: Man, yeah, perfect. I
3: was gonna say
2: perfect example. We're seeing it with Matt Chapman. You know, he got traded from yes. Oakland to the, the Toronto Blue Jays and it's hmm. almost like yeah, he, he got to the big leagues. He He's had success. He's been an all-star. He's kind of starting to make his money. He just signed into his extension or two years, 24 million, to buy out his arbitration years. And now it's like, like you said, now he's wants to win. He wants to go to a contending team. And boom, he gets traded to Toronto. So.
0: It's fun, man. So, yeah. All right, we have a couple questions. We're going to wrap it up with you. All right, if you could go back and face a batter who hit a ball off of you, who would it be?
3: Uh <laughs> <laughs> You know, a you know, guy who owned me early on was Paul Conurco. Paul Conurco. They would announce his name. Now batting Paul Conurco. Before I released the ball, Paul Conurco, the ball was going out. You know, so I figured him out. I did figure him out. And he came up to me. He's like, damn, Grilly. He's like, what the heck? He's like, I used to own you. I go, hey, man. I said, that was it. I had enough of you owning me. It's time to even the score up a little bit. So, yeah. He <laughs> was always a guy that gave me trouble uh, early on. And, uh you figured it out. You figured it out. Figured it out. Sometimes you got to figure it out, you know. Somebody, well, hold
2: on. Somebody oh. tweeted this. Ask him about me, meeting about meeting guy he was traded for in O'Hare. Great story.
3: Oh, he, yeah. Uh, so when I was traded from Pittsburgh to the Angels, uh, Fieri was in the bathroom. I was going to the bathroom, and I see this guy leaning back, checking me out. I was like, this is a little weird in the guy's bathroom. I'm like, what the hell is guy watching me pee, right? Little did I know? I looked over at him. I'm like, "No way, dude! This is who I got traded for." We're peeing in the same men's room because uh, I guess we were getting. He was getting on my plane. I was getting on his plane. I said, "Dude, I'd shake your hand, but you know, you haven't washed them yet." So, Bernie, that's who you got traded for. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yes.
0: So guy. I uh, I saw the him and said, "Hey,
3: man, you love you're gonna love Pittsburgh." Uh, you know, say, "Wish you luck," and that was it. He went his way. I went mine.
0: <laughs> of all the it's places ba baseball, baseball right it's uh hey you just got traded hey there's a guy you got traded for in the bathroom uh I had another question was, do you ever trade anything in the while you're in the bullpen for like food or a ball or anything like that?
3: Oh God, yeah, I used to Detroit, I used to get peanuts all the time with the fans for trade a ball for peanuts, so every day it started getting to be too much where it was like there were bags of peanuts flying in our bullpen and' like really, you started this whole thing, damn it, but we uh. <laughs> People be bringing lots of peanuts, but yeah, when you're hungry, you try to sneak a sneak some ballpark food. I, I, the one I really wanted to do, but I could never pull it off. I just didn't want to cross too many lines. Was nachos having a beer and nachos at a game, which is my go-to. So I go, <laughs> can have beer and the nachos anytime I want. Now it's my go-to. But uh, yeah, it was either a hot dog or peanuts, something that you could just hurry up, quick, get ready and something, you, something so,
2: you can hurry up uh eat it and then go puke it in the eighth inning and that's
3: then, right that's right off. get rid of it real quick <laughs> that's crazy that's crazy oh
0: man all right so grilled cheese is uh your grilled cheese 49 is where people want to follow you on social media rock and ball wines also right there you have it right there it's on the page rock the letter n ball wines uh go and follow that page is really cool uh, good stuff with the Italian Baseball Organization. Are you going to be part of the organization for the next World Baseball Classic? Not play, but are you part of them?
3: Uh, they haven't asked me to, yet. I'd love to be an honorary coach if that comes well, to pass. So uh, thanks for the plug and possibility of opening that door. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, uh, Just to be around <laughs> it would be so fun. I mean, yeah. it's such a great, it's a great uh, marketing tool for baseball. Mm. Um, it is a commercial for baseball worldwide. It was such an intense, um, fun. Like I said, it's, it's playoff caliber baseball and people every spring to get into it. I understand why GMs hate it because it's like, it's so intense and they feel guys aren't conditioned enough to do that, which I find the opposite to be true. I always felt that, Hey, if you get in that mindset right from the get go, it's a great place to be, right? right? You don't want to wait yeah. till mid-May to say, do we have a good team? Am I ready? Really ready yet? Uh, because sometimes that's what it takes. Sometimes it takes you about a month, month and a half to hit stride if you get through a, a, a decent April. But, um, yeah, the World Baseball Classic is fun. I would love to be a part of it. If, if I'm not a part of it, I'd definitely go watch it.
0: Yeah. Well, the Ricky wasn't allowed to play for Mexico because contract-wise. So we're going to try to get Ricky to be a coach. or <laughs> We're going to start our own <laughs> team. You know, it's, uh, you never <laughs> know, man. I went to a couple. I worked them. It pretty cool experience. All right, right here, just a couple of last things for you. Love you in Toronto, grilled cheese. Uh, also, Bruce Downs in New Brunswick, Canada, check it in. We had a, somebody watching in Australia. So a lot of cool stuff, man. Uh, Jason, first time meeting you, like I said, I, I was there when you were at the Angels, but it was a bad clubhouse. I never approached you. I wish I would have, man. We would have had some good conversations. He scared of you, man.
2: He, he texted us. He's like, dude, Jason Grilly. He's like, Jason Greeley looked like he was
0: just... Well, like, like I said beforehand, work. he was in the part of the clubhouse that wasn't approachable. It was a certain yeah. area, so, I mean. There's my, a few guys
3: that were tough to talk to over there, so, you I know. Mean, remember, I didn't like being in there if it was tense either, but I, I tried to loosen things up.
0: It's like 4 uh, o'clock. Why are you guys mad? Like, like
3: sorry. <laughs> sorry. Exactly.
0: All right, but, yeah, so it it was cool. Like, I wish I would have met you back then, but, um, yeah, and then also Anne Heinrich, I've told you, there's like three people that cover the team. You walk in there, they look at you like, well, what do you guys want? It's like, all right, here we go again today. Bad team that year. <laughs> Uh, but Grilly was cool, man. We definitely got to do it again with him, Rick.
2: Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's maybe we uh, can uh, have his. Uh, wine. Yeah,
3: yeah what well, I'll show you guys some wine. We'll we'll, we'll do a little wine sipping, wine tasting. Hey, see we if you can guys definitely approve. do that
0: because you know Vernon Wells sent his wine, and from what I remember, it was really good.
3: <laughs> yeah, he's got some good wine. Him and him and Chris Ionetta, they teamed up yeah. and uh, yeah. Jack. Jack but and, then
0: again, Iannetta, you know, he's Olive Garden. <laughs>
3: Oh, man. Oh, man. He's going to be pissed at me for that telling that story. But, no, I, lo- I love the I-Man dude. He was a great teammate. Yeah, good dude. Still a good friend of mine. And uh, I had to bust his chops because I was hopeful we were going to compile a pretty strong Italian team. And uh, would have loved to have him on it. But I understand. I understand. You know, if you got a chance to play with Derek Jeter, why wouldn't you, right? Hey, you I- had a chance be-
2: to play with the great Alex Liddy, though.
3: <laughs> That's right, That's right. <laughs> play with him and That's TJ to really. the my career. Legend out there. Who? What's oh my favorite? god, dude. Alex I'm telling you, we had we were we were probably the best dressed, we had the best hair, the best spread table, and uh, we definitely had the most fun. I know that. I know we had a good time. Uh, yeah,
0: all right, Rick. Awesome. Uh, we're good. We'll do this again. Uh, make sure you guys follow it's Grilled Cheese 49, Rock and Ball Wines. As always, rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate you. We'll have you on in a couple months. Get you back out here, uh, grilled cheese. And uh, Jason, appreciate you. And go Seton Hall, man. Go Seton Hall.
3: Yeah, buddy. Hey, good show. Good to see you guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. All right. All right.